Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Forever Athletic Podcast and it is Q&A time. This week I've got two questions and they're both really, really good ones. So I'm excited to get through these and share what I think is going to be some really useful information for you. So let's get on to it with the first one. It's from Mandy who is a long-term client of mine online, known her for absolute years, taking a little hiatus but back into it now on the kickstart. Her question is a festive question. So I have a number of meals out coming up. For example, this Sunday, a Chinese meal as a Christmas get-together with friends. I'll probably have chow mein, either chicken or prawns, because I like it, not because of the calories. Love that. The question is, how to work something like this into weekly meal planning? Do I pinch some calories from the day before and after? Any tried and tested strategies? So, Mandy, great question because loads of people are going to be thinking about this sort of thing coming into the Christmas period. I have some very tried and very tested strategies that are going to be really, really helpful for you and for loads of other people listening to this podcast. So, before we get into it, let's just take a little step back and have that kind of 10,000 yard view of what the Christmas period actually is. So, on the day this goes out, which is going to be tomorrow, there's going to be 33 days left to Christmas. In those days, you are probably going to eat three times per day, breakfast, lunch and dinner. So that is 99 meals total between now and Christmas Day. Christmas Eve, there's two meals potentially that might be off plan, kind of lunch and dinner. Breakfast will probably be pretty normal if we're honest about it. Christmas Day, probably the same sort of thing. Breakfast will probably be the same, but lunch and dinner will probably be a little bit different. There might be something on New Year's Day that you do. There might be a work Christmas do, maybe a family Christmas do, maybe another one or two Christmas do's that you go to, so maybe three to five meals there. So if we total all of those up, that's eight to ten meals total out of 99. So about 10%-ish where you're going to be potentially off plan. And off plan doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to be over on your calories, under on your protein or whatever it is that you're tracking at that moment in time. It might just not be the normal meal that you have. So essentially what I'm trying to say that there's not really that much in the grand scheme of things that's going to be massively different to normal. So there's no real reason that we can't make either good progress or at the very least maintain the general progress that we made up until this point through this Christmas period. Because 90% of the time you are going to be eating normally between now and Christmas. And that means that there's absolutely no reason whatsoever to look at a menu and choose anything other than what you want and to have that thing totally guilt-free. So I don't want anyone on my plan or anyone even just listening to this podcast that isn't on my plan to be thinking about things like calories and protein and macros on times like Christmas Day when you should just be focusing on being present, enjoying the social aspects of food around the table with family and friends and just generally getting festive AF because that is the number one priority for everybody at this time of year. Calories and macros can absolutely take a back seat for those eight to 10 meals, 100%. Don't think about them for a second, essentially. Sure, you will likely weigh more straight after Christmas if you decide to weigh yourself straight after Christmas. But I probably would not do that and instead give it a week because if you get straight back into your routine, that weight will 100% go within a week. And then it doesn't matter. You're just back into normal routine at that point. So that's the first thing I just want you to take kind of context into Christmas thinking along those lines. But 
when it does come to setting yourself up to be in the best possible position to negotiate this Christmas period, these are the things that I recommend to clients on a regular basis anyway. They just become more important and more apparent at Christmas time and into the new year. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to be looking at range target targets for calories and proteins. So whenever I work with somebody, whether it's Christmas or not, we don't work to a set calorie number. We work to a range instead, which is usually plus or minus 10% from the number that our calorie estimator gives us. So for me, if I put all my stats in to the calorie estimator for maintenance, it will chuck me out around 3000 calories per day. So if instead of trying to hit 3000 calories perfectly every single day, I'd go plus or minus 10%. So it'd be somewhere between 2700 and 3300 calories per day. A more common number that comes out would be 2000 calories. So if you applied the same rule to 2000 calories per day, that would instead be rather than that one hard number, it'd be the range of 1800 calories to 2200 with the aim of just being on average in the middle of that range over an extended period of time. Normally a seven day cycle because that gives you enough breathing space can be longer, can be shorter. Doesn't matter as long as you've got that range and you're on average within it. So say if we take that 2000 calorie person, for example, and they went to the bottom end of that range, 1800 for six days with the intention of going over on the seventh day, they would save six lots of 200 calories, which is 1200 calories. Is that right? Six lots of, yeah, 1200 calories. Just had to check myself. I've really doubted myself there. My clients will know I'm not great with numbers, even though it's a key part of my job. They've saved up 1200 calories. They can have that on top of their usual 2000 calories per day. So they actually have for that one day, 3200 calories to use, which is absolutely plenty for a big meal out and a few drinks with friends and family, all that sort of stuff. Absolutely no problem. The average for that week will still be the same. And that is what's important. They may acutely weigh more 24 to 48 hours after that meal because there's more food in transit. They may be a little bit more bloated. They may be filled up their glycogen stores with higher carbs. They may be just retaining water, all that sort of stuff. But you actually get the result of your average. It's a chronic thing, not an acute thing. So as long as the average is good, we're good. And that's what we aim for in terms of the range calories, uh, range targets. So that's the first thing. The second thing I'd recommend is using a PPP, also known as a proactive positive plan. So we're going to be proactive in using the range calories and plan to do that. We're also going to be proactive in looking at our menus ahead of time and just kind of estimating roughly what those meals are going to equate to. Um, or a lot of menus these days will, will actually have the calories on it. So you can just make a good educated uh, decision around what you're doing. You can also be proactive in looking at the drinks menu and if there's a kind of cocktail or something like that that you want to have, just be proactive about it and then think positively. What do you really want to have? What are the things that you absolutely can have? Do not think about the things that you can't, you shouldn't, and you won't. Make it positive. Focus on the things that you do want to enjoy and the things that you really do want to have and then just make a plan and stick to it because the things that we don't normally stick to are often going to be things like drinks we'll plan to have one to two but that may become three four five six once you get a little bit of momentum with something like that it's the sort of thing that does spiral and it often leads into other things as well so we top that um after a few drinks, we top up our day with an extra meal on the way home, that sort of thing. Or you recover the next morning with your hangover with a much worse meal than you were actually planning to have in terms of its relation to your goals. 
And that's where sticking to the plan becomes really, really important. But just the act of being proactive makes a huge difference. Even if in the grand scheme of things, that only takes 10% off what you would have had, that's still 10% in the bank and it's better than what you would have done if you weren't proactive and thinking about it. And the fact that it's positive and you're thinking about things positively, what you can have, what you want to have and what you absolutely can have, and it's not negative and focused on can't, shouldn't, won't, it makes it massively more likely that you are going to stick to it because you're going to be focusing on the enjoyment, the things that you are having and not the things that you're restricting out of your diet. So that'd be the second thing, a proactive, positive plan. Really, really important, really, really effective. Third one, I'm just going to drop in something that is a non-negotiable for every client that I work with. This goes in their nutrition action plan all the time. And that is if you make a mistake, if you go off plan, whether that is planned or not planned, just get back on it at the very next meal and make sure that meal out doesn't turn into a weekend off plan and that sort of thing. The better, more memorable way to word this is don't chuck it in the fuck it bucket. If you go off plan, just get straight back on it. Don't think, oh, I've gone off plan and just you throw everything out the window, baby out with bath water and all that sort of stuff. Just get back on plan at the very next meal. Don't chuck it in the fuck it bucket. And then the fourth thing I would suggest, and again, this is something that we just do a lot of times just in terms of general meal structure is the three one method or three to one method. So every day we're probably going to be having three planned structured meals because a lot of the time we don't have that much time to negotiate these meals anyway they need to be pre-planned they need to be structured and we roughly need to know what they're going to be uh, consisting of in terms of calories protein those sorts of things so breakfast lunch snack they're often going to be repeated consistent structured and that leaves one meal per day to be more freestyled and that can be your evening out meal with friends this means that you've got no need to track because those three structured meals are going to be really, really consistent and you generally know how much you can have for the evening. So it takes away a lot of the need for tracking and a lot of that obsession around that sort of thing. And it provides you the structure that you need to give you the freedom that you want later on because you know that breakfast is on plan. You know that lunch is on plan. You know that your snack is on plan. So there's only one meal, 25% of your day that is going to be freestyled. And there's only so much damage you can do with that if the rest of your meals are on plan. So I would use the three to one method on those days when you've got a meal out. And then finally, just absolutely remember the positives. Don't think about this too much. There's a lot of positive stuff going on at Christmas time as well. A lot of the Christmas meals are going to be really, really high protein. There's going to be a lot of meat on option. There's going to be turkey, super high protein. There's going to be beef. There's probably going to be ham, all these sorts of things. So if you are trying to keep your protein higher, it's going to be an easier thing to do. And there's also going to be a lot of leftovers a lot of the time, which are also going to be high protein leftovers. So you've got some things for snacks and stuff the next day. Super positive. Really, really cool. And this is also often for most people a really fun and positive time of year. For some people it isn't, but for a lot of people it is. And as long as you don't suck all the fun of it out, all the fun out of it yourself by just overthinking this stuff and trying to be too obsessive and too focused on your um, nutrition goals and your lifestyle goals across these 10 days that you just forget about what's actually really, really important. You are the most likely thing to suck the fun out of it for yourself. So make sure you don't see the joy and the fun that is involved in this time of year and just focus on that. So those are the things I would do to help you negotiate your Christmas period. Thank you for the question, Mandy. I think that's a really great question. It's going to be really useful for a lot of people. Okay, second question. 
This is from Chantal. It is about blood flow restriction cuffs. So blood flow restriction cuffs. Yes, I like to get strong, but I love a shortcut. In rehabbing, etc., blood flow restriction has proven to increase strength and muscle size with a lower weight. So it's got good evidence. What are your thoughts? So I've had a little look online. I've got my own thoughts initially. So my thoughts initially were, yes, absolutely. It works in uninjured people and it will work the same in, sorry, it works in injured people and it will work the same in uninjured people because the mechanism is the same. It doesn't change. It'll be equally as effective in both scenarios. The downside of it, in my knowledge up until today, before I started really looking into it, is that the process is just simply minging. It's really unpleasant to do because blood flow restriction training, it's, for those that don't know, it's a cuff which you kind of put on at the top of your arm, close to your body or top of your leg, close to the body. And it works like a kind of uh, blood flow restriction, like a tourniquet sort of thing. It's at the near end of the limb and it kind of allows arterial blood flow, so oxygenated blood from the heart to go into the muscle and it blocks the venous return of the deoxygenated blood coming back. This creates essentially like a mega pump, forcing that muscle that's being worked to deal with a bigger than normal accumulation of all the waste products of lifting as it can't clear them out through that kind of venous return mechanism, which, as you can imagine, is pretty horrific when you really, really push it to kind of the maximum capacity of that muscle. It's going to be a serious burn. It's going to be a serious pump. It's going to be really, really uncomfortable, but you'll be able to achieve it at a much lighter weight than you would be able to um, previously. But there is, very specific to this question, a 2020 systematic review titled Blood Flow Restriction Training for Athletes. I'll link it in the show notes if you want to read it. And I really like systematic reviews because they kind of encapsulate a large body of the available uh, research on the topic. It's not just a singular intervention. They kind of look through a little bit of everything and tried to get the overarching view on it. Um, the review looked at over 200 studies to start off with. I think it was 230 odd. Narrowed it down to 10 that were really nice and similar and kind of matched the inclusion criteria. And it saw that within those studies, so working with uninjured athletes, that 78% of the studies, so I think it was seven out of nine of them, found a significant increase in strength. 50% saw significant improvements in growth, and 75% reported improvements in sports-specific measurements. So I didn't look into what those exactly were, but I'd assume they'd be things like um, sprint speed, maybe jump height, uh, those sorts of things that would be relative to sports. So overall, pretty good backing in the research particularly in strength and it can be potentially a really good tool especially when lower weight is desired whether that is due to injury or whether it's due to another reason but because of that its strength would also be its weakness which is what we often say our biggest strength is our biggest weakness the main reason for this is because you've got that reduction in overall load. So you're lifting lighter weights, but you're still challenging the muscle really, really hard. But because you've got that reduction in overall load, it would limit some of the other benefits and other adaptations that you get from genuinely heavy strength training. So there is a skill element to lifting heavy weights, both confidence and in terms of coordination, balance, muscle recruitment, those sorts of things, which you won't be able to mimic at lighter weights. It will be the skill of lifting the very heavy weight and what that feels like and that's often also quite an unpleasant process that you have to get used to and you have to get really confident with. 
There will also be loading that will not be there on tendons, ligaments, connective tissues, those sorts of things. That will be greatly reduced. So you are very much focusing on the muscle belly, but not necessarily loading the tendons and the ligaments in the same way that you want to. So if you stop doing the blood flow restriction and you go to genuinely very heavy weights, tendons, ligaments might not be as adapted as you would want them to be in that moment in time. And then the same for bone structures. So your skeleton will not be loaded as much as it would be if you were doing genuinely very heavy strength training. And that is a really good positive benefit for people who are lifting weights, particularly people who are aging um, and maybe looking down the line at things like osteoarthritis and those sorts of things. Having loading on the bone is really good adaptation because it makes the bone stiffer, stronger and all the things we want our skeleton to be. So if you take the overall heavy weight out, you won't get those benefits. So overall, I would say it's a useful tool probably a good supplement to an already well-balanced, structured, genuinely heavy strength training program. I also imagine it would get a little bit tiresome after maybe, I don't know, six to eight weeks of doing it, knowing that you are just about to put yourself through the most horrendous pump burning feeling in the world. Once again, for the sixth to eighth week in a row, in a row, just thinking, I don't actually really want to do that. I just want to go back to normal lifting um, because it might be a little bit less uh, minging in the process. So that'll be my thoughts on BFR. Another great question. Thank you for sending that in, Chantal. So we'll wrap up this podcast here. Before I go, just let me remind you, there are four days, three days left to sign up for my Black Friday kickstart. Uh, it is my normal eight-week Forever Athletic kickstart, but with an additional four weeks of free coaching on top. So you get 12 weeks of coaching for £249. It's an absolute bargain. So four weeks of free coaching. You get three recipe guides with 180 pre-calorie and macro-tracked meals in there. You get two weekly, two monthly check-ins with me one-to-one and weekly group check-ins with the group to make sure that you stick to the nutrition recommendations that you get, which are fully bespoke and unique to you. And you get one guaranteed result at the end. So if you follow the process, do 80% of the sessions and you don't get the results that you want, you can have your money back. That's how much I trust the kickstart. If you're interested in learning more, check out www.coachianwood.com forward slash kickstart and there'll be loads of information on that website there. If you have any further questions, I will be running six phone call slots i think this saturday kind of 15 minute phone calls i think that's what i've got time for you can book one of those slots and just ask me the questions that you've got and just clarify that it is exactly what you want but i do guarantee this is going to be a great program for you uh, or you can message me message me on instagram at coach ian wood and i'll get back to you as soon as possible otherwise i will see you in the next episode on tuesday next week as i delay time to find the stop button for this recording cheers